I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast, is uh, brought to you with a cleaner shave than ever. Ever Whoa. before, Siobhan has stopped CGI digitally removing her moustache for each episode, <laughs> and uh, finally is now is now shaving that mo off thanks to our good sponsors over at dollarshaveclub.com. We'll be telling more, telling you more about their great products later on in the episode. Can't wait. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey everybody, welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast with your good friends, Andrew Levins and Siobhan Coombs. Hello. Every week we read all of last week's comics and let you know which ones were good, which ones were bad, and which ones were in between. Yes. I love those in-between comics the most. Most of them are in-between. Really? Wouldn't you argue? Was it a spoiler warning? (laughs) Um, This episode of Serious Issues um, is brought to you by one special person. And that special person is one of our Patreon members. His name is Zachary Lipovac or Lipovac. Was it, there's one possibly, thing. Couldn't possibly say. There's one thing that I've appreciated uh, from all of our listeners uh, over in the European destinations. Mm. Um, it's that they've let me know that I mispronounce names frequently and that the all last names or almost all last names that have a, have a C at the end, yeah. it's a ch sound. So I'm going to go out on a limb there. I'm going to go out on a lip. For my boy, Zachary Lipovach. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you would like to support the show too, you can head to patreon.com slash podcast, And uh, there you'll find a, an episode that we uploaded last week um, all about our favorite graphic novels um, that we've listened to le- recently. It's a Patreon exclusive. We do that once every couple couple months. Mm-hmm. And we're actually going to do another one of those next week. Oh, so cool. smash okay. some more graphic novels. Yeah. We're going to be doing what, a, a Final Crisis discussion. Yes. I need to finish that. You haven't finished it ever. No, no, I finished it, but my reread. All right, I cool. got halfway through and then I started reading Strange in Paradise instead. Oh, right. Which is also good. Amazing. <laughs> we can talk about that too. Uh, but yeah, patreon.com slash podcast. If you want to support the podcast, a couple bucks will get you access to a whole bunch of bonus episodes in which we discuss many comics, just like the ones that we discuss in this one, except they're bigger because they're called graphic novels. But on this episode, we'll be talking about those little guys, which are just called single issues. And we get all of those single issues from <laughs> King's Comics in Sydney. And guys, <sighs> guess where we are right now? I don't know if you can hear the beautiful sounds of statues being wrapped and beeping machines. Yeah, that weird, that weird, and 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 the voices that make up Siobhan's head—they're finally returned. <laughs> the screams st- of anguish. She stopped seeing a shrink for one week, and they've returned. <laughs> uh, we are we are back in the King's Comics office. So uh, every fifteen minutes, you're going to hear three random beeps. Yep. 
beep, beep, beep. We don't know which machine does it or why it does it. We just know that it does. And, uh, and there's uh, no way to fix it. We're going to hear uh, interjections from uh, pre- previous guest, Jim. Jim. And also we're going to hear loud yelling from uh, uh, another previous guest, Wayne. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, who has already said uh, in the first 50 minutes since I got here, um, give me a break Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Our very own Garfield. <laughs> what are you doing over there, Wayne? Dying. Dying. Okay, Dying. great. As are we all. As are we all. <laughs> Packing orders, but like enormous orders, like filling, filling, put it, f- filling big boxes full of like packing peanuts and statues. Like, like I could fit in a, in the box that he's packing. Absolutely. Right we both could. Let's record the podcast in this box. <laughs> it's settled. Uh, if you ever want to come and visit King's Comics and meet the various characters that we talk about every time we record here. Um, you can find it at 310 Pitt Street, King Street, Pitt Street, Sydney. Yep. Um, or kingscomics.com. Don't go to King Street. It's a mistake many people make. King That's Street. That's not Comics. why we're called King's Comics. There, there is a. It's because com- we're kings. Oh, no, no, it's not, it's not King Street. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, on this episode, we're going to be reviewing uh, a bulk of uh, the comics that came out last week. Um, it was a smaller week than usual in terms Ooh. of releases, but I feel like, like one in three comics was like double. Size. There were some a of lot them, of annuals. Some of them felt like we're going to talk about a bunch of them now because they're all number one. Some mm. of them like felt like triple size. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, DC uh, took the even though they when we, when we review all of DC's regular issues later on in the episode, we have a grand total of one. Yeah, and even it is an annual, but it has a two on it instead of a one. Thus, it does not meet the requirements for being talked about in our opening segment. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, DC it being a fifth week just put out an onslaught of annuals and special collections. Um, and so we're going to be talking about those right now in uh, the first uh, segment of the show, which is called First Things First, in which we review all of the number, all of the comics that came out last week that have had one on it. But guess what, Siobhan? Before what? we even do that, I've got, I've got one thing that what I want to talk about. It's almost about? voting season time. Oh my gosh. Um, last year, one of the funnest things we did was uh, like to have a big serious issues awards. Yeah, the, that um, was the announcement of the awards themselves, that wasn't that fun. That wasn't that good. You can go back and listen to that 25 <laughs> I minutes. I, it, was, it was kind of fun, I guess. But I was pregnant, so I wasn't drinking. Right. I was less fun. I was drinking, and I was still not having that. Because basically, we decided it would be a great idea to do the, the announcement of all of our award winners um, from a bar in Sydney. <laughs> um, and While I think- people bought uh, single uh, old issues that we brought over from the King's Warehouse and basically ignored us. It was good. Uh, yeah, and we... Uh, we, we we kind of like I reckon there would have been ten people out of I don't know eighty people in the room that that cared about what we had to say and yeah. uh, which is it's just me yelling at the people that didn't care. That was good. And we got we got people complain about me uh, like online oh, like yeah. I'm not going to listen to this podcast anymore because that guy's so rude. I'm like <laughs> you would have been rude too if you were there. Yeah, and it was mostly my little sister making the noise. Turns and, out, and also if she you know me it. personally, which I feel like a lot of you do now, um, He's you know, very rude. Oh, yeah, He's but I do it person. with the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> Butter would not melt in my mouth. Whatever that fucking phrase means. Yeah, isn't that a weird phrase? It is a weird phrase. Um, very melty. And then you can vote for the weirdest phrase of 2017 in our <laughs> awards. Uh, let's go through all of the awards that we're going to be um, announcing the, the, the nominees of next week. And then you'll have two, two weeks to vote on them. And then we'll be announcing uh, during Christmas. Our Christmas episode will be all about the awards. Um, so the awards that you can vote for are Best Writer. Best Artist, Best Colorist, Best Ongoing Series, Best Mini Series, Best All Ages Series, Best Image Series, Best Marvel Series, Best DC Series, um, Best Other Publisher Series. We've got Best Graphic Novel, Best First Issue, Best Comic Book Event, um, The Saddest Moment in Comics last this year, um, The Best Cullen Bunn, number one. 
which um, many of which could be the saddest moment. <laughs> um, the best comic book movie, the best comic book TV show, and the best character of the year. So it's like the Eisners, but way more important. Yep, exactly. Way more, way more coverage. Yep. Um, way bigger more, trophies. That's right. Way bigger. Um, and uh, if you listen to those, if you want to get your, have your say, um, now is the time to let us know. Um, you can either send us an email to seriousissues at kingscomics.com with what your favorite writer, artist, colorist, series, or saddest moment of the year is, and we'll we'll take that into consideration. Because what happens is, yeah, Siobhan and I are going to pick like six nominees for each award, and then you'll be able to vote from those. And I know a lot of people are like, my favorite comic isn't in here. That's fine. Start your own comic book podcast and start your own awards. But keep listening to us because we need those fucking downloads. <laughs> Um, so yeah, serious issues at kingscomics.com or I might even start a thread over on our um, serious issues Facebook group, which you can join over at facebook.com slash group slash serious issues podcast and uh, you'll be able to join the discussion there. Nice. Awesome. Now, on with the show, first things first, let's review, talk about all the, sh- all the issues that had a num- number one on them. We've established that DC put out the most. So let's talk, yeah. talk about these DC books. I want to talk about a little book. Actually, it was a big book. Um, it was a, uh, what, what are these ones oh, called yeah. again? It's got a spine. It's got a spine. What are the spine comics, Jim? What are they called again? Here's Jim's gone. We'll never know what these comics are called. Um, like a, it's like a, it has a, like a thicker spine, and it's called like <laughs> some kind like of format. Bound. Hey, hey, what what are the bound comics called, Wayne? Oh man, why do we even come back like here? Special format, whatever. <laughs> know, whatever, whatever. It's a special format book. I'll yeah. go with that right now. You could put it on your shelf without even bagging and boarding it. Um, Batman, creature of the night, book one, written by Kurt Busiek with uh, art by John Paul Leon. Uh, Kurt Busiek, of course, best known these days for Astro City, but mm-hmm. he previously wrote an excellent uh, kind of take on Superman that came out, um, I guess, a decade and a half ago called Superman's Secret Identity. Um, and that was about a boy whose name was Clark Kent, mm-hmm. who uh, was a you know kind of like a fan of the, the character of Superman. Superman only existed as a character in that world. But as he got older, he started manifesting the powers of Superman. And so over the course of four issues, we checked in on this character of Clark Kent and how he lived with the powers of Superman. And it was, have you read it? No. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's like, it's so good. And like, I mean, one of Astro City's strengths is that it will, he will take like a, a known kind of like, you know, comic book legend or character and do his take on it. And it's always like so simple and, and just great. Mm. Um, and so when I heard about this book, Batman Creature of the Night, and heard that it was like a spiritual successor to Bat- Superman's secret identity, I was like, well, I mean, Secret Identity works because everyone wants Superman's powers. Yeah. But, like, in actuality, even though Batman is a, like, you know, an incredible, incredibly popular character, and for good reason, no one, I, I don't want to really want to be Batman because no. he, he doesn't have powers. He just has money and dead, dead parents. parents. Yeah. Um, and so this book tells the story um, of a boy whose name is Bruce Wainwright, mm-hmm. but insists that everyone drops the, the right mm-hmm. and calls him Bruce Wayne. And well, he's leaves a, kid- a really long space between the Wayne and the right. Yep. And he has a, um, uh, an uncle who he refers to as like his his name's like 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 Albert Elton. Frederick or something yeah. like that, and so he calls his uncle Alfred. Um, and uh, he too has like you know wealthy parents. And um, one night on Halloween night, when when he's dressed up as Batman, they return home to their house to find it's been broken into, and Bruce Wainwright loses his parents. This was a like really tough read, like great, incredible, but like. Really upsetting. Really yeah. sad. Yeah, extremely sad. Prestige format. Prestige, Prestige format. format. Is that what just, this is called, Jim? That's what. It has a spine. Book of spine. You know the ones with spines, Jim? Prestige it's format. great. Graphics. <laughs> Yay. Um, but I agree with you. Yes, it was a very heavy read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, because we all, like, 
we're all so used to the Bruce Wayne story and like the stupid pearls and we've all seen it a billion times that we all get sick of it but having it sort of represented with a different character <laughs> make like refreshes how upsetting it is yeah it was um it, it's not really like what, what yeah yeah we know we've ever talked about that Jim listen um <laughs> wasn't here. um so but I like you know for me uh Kurt Busiek's strength in, as a writer is more about like the very hopeful things that I love about superheroes. So seeing him take on a much darker story, I was like, oh, how's he going to handle this? And it's definitely handled with the same sensibilities and and aplomb that he would kind of do towards something more fun and hopeful. Mm. Uh, It never gets like, you know, it's it's a sad book, definitely, but it never, it's not dark. I would I would disagree. I think it is dark. This is really dark. This is to do with a kid whose parents died who manifests like a literal scary bat monster. Yeah. It's pretty dark. Yeah, it's pretty dark. You're right. (laughs) But I guess like smashes the bat enclosure at the zoo. It it never completely left like the realm of like it 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 was it never ended complete helplessness is what I mean. No, and it's like it's sad and affecting more than it's like the Batman who laughs style, grim, dark bullshit. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Give me this a million times over. 100%. The most metal Batman of all time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> He's got oh, dude, have you read eyes. Batman lately, dude? Batman's <laughs> totally metal now, dude. It's fucking awesome. He like pulled the Joker's spine <laughs> out and started playing it like a fucking guitar, man. <laughs> It was tuned to D. Probably the best. Probably the best thing about this whole thing is that Levens is doing a face that none of you can see. <laughs> He's doing a classic metal hey, stone face. Don't knock my whaling face, babe. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't wait to review the next episode issue of uh, DC Metal, <laughs> Dark Knights of Metal. Uh, but yeah, creature, uh, Batman, creature of the night. It's not necessarily an easy read. No, but it is a book that I will. Uh, be ready for each issue with bated breath. And um, yeah. we didn't even mention how wonderful John Paul Leon's art is so on this. So gorgeous. And he does all the colors and all the lettering himself. And it's beautiful. And the lettering is fantastic because yeah. this is, book is like um, told from the point of view of Bruce Wainwright and his uncle Alfred as mm. well. And they, too, they have very different um, kind of uh, uh, word Fonts. balloons when they, when they talk, mm-hmm. um, when, they, when they narrate. Um, and both of them, like they're on like. Even though as as narrators they're able to reveal everything in their mind to the reader, mm. they're not able to reveal any of that stuff to each other. Exactly. And so that creates a, an even more sadness within this book. And it's cool to see like a genuinely fresh take on the Batman sort of concept and mythos um, that's not trying to be super extreme or super whatever. Like this is just really affecting. Yeah. Well, I love that this is like him kind of manifesting a Batman instead of just putting on a bat suit. Yeah, totally. And trying to be Batman. Like Absolutely. he almost doesn't want to be Batman. He just wants there to be a Batman in his world yeah. that would have prevented his parents' death. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Um, highly recommended. Um, and yeah, again, it, it is like a beautiful prestige format book yep. in the uh, same realm as other recent DC releases like that Dead Man book and the yep. Supergirl being super. Yep. They've all been really good so far. Yeah. Um, and uh, I highly recommend picking up this one too. Agreed. Um, and uh, yeah, just one last uh, little little I don't know, round of applause, which you can do yourself at home for John Paul Leon's art. Beautiful. Mm, very good really applause, gorgeous. everybody. <laughs> um, so also from DC this week, we got uh, book one of a book that I feel like should have been prestige format too. Totally. Because it is a, uh, this felt like three issues in one. Um, Welcome to Mystic You, which is um, a book all about Zatanna uh, and her days of, uh, I guess, training to be, to, to use the dark magics um, at a school 
akin to like university. A university, sorry. Well, it's yeah, but it's like a like a you know kind of college, collegey Harry Pottery kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's been written by Elisa Quitney and um, art by Mike Norton. Um, colors by Geordie Belair. That's a very good team. Even though I'm not familiar with Elisa, like those are that you. Mike Norton and Geordie Belair on, on doing your art duties. Like you're like, oh, cool. This is going to be a good book no matter what the yeah, fuck I write. Yeah, <laughs> um, great. But for me, like reading this, and I, I definitely think that this would have been better as just a regular one issue instead of like doing this super ex- like extended. Like I think this would be a great first arc of a series. Mm. Um, but instead you get it all at once, which is it's, it's cool. Yeah, they just in like they introduce so many characters in this and there is an element of uh, like it's quite reliant I don't know. I don't know if this would appeal to someone who doesn't have a extended knowledge of DC magical stuff because there's a lot of characters that show up. Yeah. But um, I'd be interested to see if anyone read it who doesn't really know who, you know, Cain and Abel are from the Sandman universe. Yeah, totally. Etc. But um, I, I wanted to enjoy this more than I did, I think. I don't think it, like, ticked all of... The buttons or something. The, Ticked the all what? the buttons. Do you the tick what? buttons? The buttons. <laughs> the buttons. Um, um, yeah. I just wasn't. I wasn't totally blown away by this first issue, and it's so up my alley that I really yeah. That's, I it would is surprising. Love it. Um, so Zatanna, um, shortly after accidentally sending her father to hell, um, uh, is t- basically sent off to university in which she studies with um, a young June Moon, aka the Enchantress, mm-hmm. um, the son of Doctor Faust, mm-hmm. um, the uh, and then a few other kind of um, magical learning. Uh, yeah. Characters who I'm not quite familiar if they were like allegories for yeah. other characters or related to other characters. Not for the best of my knowledge. Um, but um, at this school, um, Frankenstein is a teacher. Um, yeah. I, liked, I liked his little cameo, and I hope we get more of him um, yeah, in this fun. series. Uh, uh, Mr. Eternity. Yep. Who mm. I only know of Kid Eternity. Right. But that was based on an older character, right? Mr. E. Mr. E. Uh, um, and then um, also, what's his, what, what are the two? Um, there can be two people at one time. Dr. Occult and Dr. Something else? Have you heard of them? I've never heard of those. They're like one person who's... Two people that share the same body. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with them. So they kind of take the headmaster position. But also Madame Xanadu yep. is a teacher. Um, so for me, like this is kind of like what I wanted Gotham Academy to be. Um, mm. Even though that said, I did not read enough of that to really give it a proper kind of judgment. But I guess like the idea of just a bunch of random kids who weren't um, characters that I already knew going to school. Yeah. Whereas this is like, you know, I know Zatanna and I know a few of the other characters. I think that's what kind of drew me to it. Um, I really enjoyed their interactions. I, I honestly think that the only weakness is that they, they, they just told too much of a story in one hit. Yeah, I think this, if you just introduced like three characters in and, and the headmaster and then like an ongoing mystery in, in, and made this a 20-page comic, yeah. it would have been so much more digestible. But I think in, in, giving this, in making this a big extra-sized issue, they've shot themselves in the foot a bit. Yeah, and there were a couple of things in it which just didn't... I wanted it to be cleverer or something. Like, I think there are a couple of sort of tropes or ideas they're relying on. Like, I don't like the fact that... Like, so the whole June Moon Enchantress thing, when she becomes Enchantress, she, like, starts dressing like a goth and is like, yeah, let's have sex and stuff like that. And I'm tired of, like the bad girl being like yeah millions of sex or whatever it's just boring that's boring to me do something yeah. do something smarter do something cleverer that annoyed me <laughs> <laughs> but so those are the kinds of issues that i had with this but i still i'm on board and i'll 
I'll keep reading a couple issues. Yeah, I definitely think this is worth a few a few issues, um, especially if the the magical side of the DC universe um, is something that is your cup of tea, and it absolutely is mine. Yeah. Um, and I like that, like, there's a reference to Constantine, but he doesn't show up in this because he would have like ruined the vibe of these first totally. three issues. He's definitely someone that you know would would be put to good use later on in the series once everyone's a bit more established. Absolutely. Um, and we should say that like this uh, this opens in present day with Zatanna um, kind of witnessing the like you know almost death of her headmaster ex-headmaster I guess and um, and many other of the characters that were introduced to in this series mm. and so I guess that we we have to go back to see how it all happened mm. what all went wrong um, but yeah um, I, I'm definitely on board for this I hope it becomes like a regular like um, like you know comic as opposed to a, a book that has like 70 pages or whatever each issue yeah totally I assume it will <laughs> So they're just comics are just better better to be digested like in that format, or at least that they're written in that format. Yeah, and, for yeah. sure. If if you want to do something that's more extended, just make it graphic novel format. There's yeah. no reason like this is alternate universe. You could just release this as a graphic novel, like the Earth One books. Yeah, totally. Um, so now we're going to go talk about a uh, book called The New Talent Showcase 2017, number one, which is uh, part of like a kind of writer and artist boot camp that mm-hmm. DC offer. Um, with Klaus Janssen and Andy Cubitt. Um, is it yep. the Andy Cubitt? Is it the Joe Cubitt school? Is that what it is? What it is? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's just something that DC put on. They they started doing this a couple of years ago and we've had people like, I think Marguerite Bennett came up through that or she was a student of Scott Snyder. Snyder's or yeah, something. But um, it's a cool thing, I think. I think it's a cool thing that they do. Said the worst cover. Such a bad it's cover. It's such a bad cover. Um, the cover is just like a kind of blank color. Like exploding a, into space with a bunch of random people. No yeah. thought. No thought. No it. thought put into the cover whatsoever, which is a shame. Um, but aside from that, in terms of art, the art is the only reason I would recommend picking this book up. There is some incredible art within this Absolutely. book. Absolutely. Especially Lots of, the Katana story. Yeah, that was my favourite too. The Katana really story. Nice. And then the Doctor Fate story um, yeah. has excellent art too. Yep. Um, so uh, I'm definitely like, some names that, I, that I'm going to like kind of be on the lookout for in terms of artists. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, it's unfair to even say so, but like you can't really tell that good of a story in such a short amount of... Um, pages with these like you know that you have a you have a katana story you have a dr fate story you have a wonder woman story you have a suicide squad story you have a duke thomas story yeah and it's like oh that's a pretty cool idea i guess and nothing's really executed that well so it doesn't really it's not a really good showcase of writers but in terms of artists um lynn yoshi who does the um art on the katana story i'm definitely there's is a name i'm going to be looking out for mm-hmm. and then uh, i'll try and figure out the name of the doctor oh my god just looking at the dr fate art so fucking so good cool. Um, I don't know, couldn't even compare who it, who it, like, it looks like proper throwback, like, you know, um, John Romita Sr. Or, yeah. or Kirby even. Um, it's by Sam Lofty. Sam Lotfi. Lotfi, Lot, sorry. Lotfi. Um, and Great Colors by John Roush on that too. Um, I, I, I actually tapped out because the stories were just kind of doing nothing for me and just looked at the art the entire way through. Did you make it through to the uh, Scott Snyder story? Yeah, I did. It was mad boring. <laughs> it was Scott Snyder finally writing a Wonder Woman story, and um, I, who wanted that? Not yeah, me. no. So, no offense, Scott Snyder. Did Klaus Janssen do the art on it? No. No, I don't know. What, I don't know who did the art on it. But uh, yeah, look, these are always a kind of like a, a, a raffle, when you, mm. a lucky dip. Yeah, is that a better way to describe it? You never know what you're going to get. But um, I should say though, and kudos to uh, for, to DC for for uh, doing it this way. I think all three of those books that we just mentioned. Um, oh no, not the showcase had them, but uh, Mystic U and um, Batman Creature of the Night. Um, neither neither of them had advertising in it. Mm. 
which is a nice. really really cool little treat. Sure um, is. And certainly something that Marvel would never ever do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got a couple of um, annuals from DC this week as well. Um, Super Sons number one, written by uh, regular writer uh, Peter Tomasi, um, with uh, art in this one by uh, Paul Pelletier, um, looking the least like what the Super Sons have ever looked like um, so, since their series started. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, Super Sons being the team up between John Kent, Superboy, and uh, Damian Wayne Robin. Um, inks on this one by Cam Smith, colors by Hi-Fi. And this, uh, I say, you know, that this is the least what they've looked like. Like, Sorry, the least... Fi- Fuck, what am I trying to say, Siobhan? Finish my sentence. It's <laughs> <laughs> Visually, it's pretty far removed from mm, the brilliant. classic Super Sun style. Brilliant. However, this barely involves the Super Suns. Exactly. That's where I was going. This is all about... What are they called in this universe? The, Super Pets. The Pet Avengers. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> what I was about to say. And I was like, that is incorrect. Um, but uh, this was really, really silly and fun. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, uh, after Superboy goes to bed, after um, stopping a crime spree in New York, um, we see Crypto fly off to Wayne Mara- Manor and talk to the Bat Cow, who then um, uh, moves loudly and gets the attention of Ace the Bat Hound. And this then is, that's actually Titus. Titus. Is, oh, that's um, right. Damien's dog. That's so it's right. Ace the Bat Hound and Titus. And Ace. this just involves Titus. Oh, right. So Ace just stays sleeping. Yeah. Poor Ace. Ace is old. Right. <coughs> um, and then, uh, so yeah, Titus and Crypto fly off to get the help of Detective Chimp. So already making this my favorite comic of the week. <laughs> and then he helps them assemble the Super Pets, um, which involve, uh, is it um, Supergirl's cat? Yeah, Streaky. Streaky, Streaky the Supercat. Cat. Bat Cow. Clay Critter. Never heard of Clay Critter before. Me neither. And I also or haven't heard of... Flexi the Plastic Bird. So Plastic Man's Bird. So this is a DC universe in which Plastic Man is trapped in an egg. Yeah. But there's Plastic Bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who appears to be like a cockatoo. Yeah. Pretty great. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the, then they... Basically, like, you know, we, uh, earlier in the book, um, Superboy, before going to bed, it's like, yeah, tomorrow is the day that I find out what's going on with all these missing pets. Yeah. And then so that while he sleeps, all of the super pets uh, basically solved it, save the day and save all the pets. It was cute. It was really, really cute. I think it's, you know, it's always risky trying to uh, write a story where the pets talk in like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. boof, grr, hit, like, you know, just like weird yeah, yeah, yeah. onomatopoeic noises. But uh, I thought the the team did quite a good job of telling this fun, a very simple kind of, uh, you know, solving a mystery um, story from Absolutely. the point of view of pets. It's no beasts of burden, but it's up there. Yeah, I need to read that, don't I? Yeah, it's I've, read, I've read one issue of it. It was pretty good. I love it. Yeah. I love Joel Thompson. Um, reminds me, uh, we, 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 he, we, he, was the, he wrote the first book we talked about in the episode, but Kurt Busiek wrote a really great issue of Superman, which dealt with crypto trying to find Superboy after Cute. he went missing. Aww. It was really, really, really good. That's so good. Oh, I think I even remember that. Yeah, it was a really yeah. good issue. Um, <laughs> just Super Sons is such a great all-ages comic. If you are struggling to find something for your kid in the mainstream DC universe, I highly recommend Super Sons. Yeah, definitely. And like th- we've complained about the regular series for like starting off so well and then suddenly being like, it's about alternate dimensions and it's about like, you know, way too complicated things to explain in an all-ages comic and I just kind of get lost in it. But then yeah. this this issue, just having... Damien and, and John like solve a crime of yes. like of like a bank robbery. Perfect. That's, that's what I want. want. That's all I want. And then them just like you know being rude to each other. Yeah. That's what the book should be. Perfect. But you got animals. Great. Done. Great stuff. Well, back um, cow. We got another annual this week. 
um, which is uh, Aquaman. Um, and dreams may come. I was like, oh, cool. I love the current Aquaman run. Then I saw that neither the writer nor the artist was involved um, on the creative team. This uh, is um, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who I think is a, a novelist, right? I have no idea. <coughs> um, and uh, art by Max Fiamara. Um, both very different to um, the on- current ongoing team of Dan Abnett I and really Stepshine like- Sejic. Oh, nice. Uh, I really like Max Fiamara, though. I'd be really keen to see him... On I, anything else. I loved this issue. Yeah, this was a great issue. Heartbreaking. Yeah, so this is like almost like a take on for the man who has everything, the Superman mm-hmm. story that Alan Moore wrote, mm-hmm. in which um, uh, Batman and Robin go to the um, Fortress of Solitude to give Superman a birthday present. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone has already given him a birthday present. It was like a weird demonic uh, plant mm-hmm. that like trapped onto Superman and, and trapped him in a world... In, in, in the world that he wishes he was in, mm. in which um, uh, Krypton was never destroyed. Um, and so this is like set in the future. And we're introduced to uh, um, Superman and Wonder Woman and Hal Jordan, who are all much older. Um, Hal Jordan is way cooler. Yeah. Old man, old gray man with a beard, but he still wears his flight jacket. And he has like a permanently la- green lanterned arm. Yeah. Just a big green arm. Lost his arm somehow. Um, but... Uh, like, and so Aquaman that, and Mira have been allowed to grow old. That's right. And um, they've Atlantis is like this thriving community and they've built this amazing city which is half above the water, <laughs> half below the water. And they have a son. They have a son. And so, yeah, um, shortly after being visited by um, Superman and Wonder Woman and Hal, um, we, they, they are attacked from below. Uh, and um, while... While attempting to subdue the attackers, um, it becomes clear to Aquaman that um, the attackers are actually trying to help. And uh, we learn the true story of what, what, what this future society that he's a part of is actually all about. And I, I think as an as a annual, this is the best kind of annual. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think For the Man Who Has Everything was an annual. Um, maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. There was definitely, Alan Moore definitely wrote a really good Superman annual story with, with Swamp Thing in it. Mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe For the Man Who Has to Have Whatever. Whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Just a really solid, emotional, standalone book. Like, it is what an annual should be in that it is just its own story. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to be reading the current Aquaman stuff to know what's happening in it. It's really, um, just a self-contained little issue. And I think they did a really incredible job and I'd, I'd love to see more from both of these creators. That is what an annual should do, everyone. Oh, so Philip Kelly Johnson has... We've, we've reviewed a few comics of his in the past. He wrote, wrote that um, boom book called Warlords of Appalachia. Appalachia? Appalachia, yes. I don't remember that. <laughs> um, I love pronouncing things in this show every single week. <laughs> um, and uh, another one called Last Sons of America. Okay. And he did that Kong Gods of Skull Island book as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, that's cool. If he's going to be a DC writer... On and off now, I'd welcome it, especially if anything's as good as this Aquaman issue. Absolutely, which which felt in line with the current story that the um, mm. the series is telling now. I don't know if that if that you know was purposeful or this was just like a great enough issue that he could have put it out whenever mm. and it would have felt like a good um, you know something to go alongside the main series. Mm. Yeah, complimentary. Good. Uh, so we got a few other number ones to get through this week um, that don't have the words DC on the front cover. 
Um, and we're going to kick off with a review of Sword of Ages, the new book uh, published by IDW, written and drawn by Gabrielle Rodriguez, uh, best known for being the artist on the Lock and Key series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also one of my personal favorites from recent years, um, he did uh, Little Nemo Return to Slumberland, uh, which is highly recommended if you've not checked that out. Um, but uh, this has uh, colors by Rob uh, Laverne Kinziersky um, and is a book about a girl who has been trained to be a warrior um, after being like delivered by her family to a uh, a pack of like magical wolves <laughs> they're like magical cat like, like lions tigers, tigers yeah something. not wolves i okay i had to read this pretty quickly yep. so i feel like this yeah. is something this was a dense first issue that you would i felt like i'm didn't really understand what was going on in this. Yeah, so I, I finished it, then I went back and reread the first half of okay. it again, which if you didn't have time to, I can see why you'd be mm. confused. Yeah, so it's, it's a very, very dense first half. And then once it gets going, it's great. And there's a lot of narrators. That's, yeah, exactly. It's quite confusing. And, and, and a lot of, some of the narrators don't actually, like, play a big role in this mm. first issue at all. They just have, like, two pages here or there and... You don't really, you know, I don't, the book ends with me unsure as to how they like factor into the main story. Yeah. Um, but, um, what a beautiful book though. I mean, that, that's why I'm picking yeah. this up. Absolutely. Uh, he's such an incredible artist and seeing him do like a high fantasy book, yeah. um, like a sci-fi fantasy book at that, like is, is extremely, uh, compelling. It's incredibly inventive. Like it's very aesthetically different from any other sort of sci-fi fantasy book that I've read recently. I think it looks gorgeous the colors are really nice it looks almost like a dark horse book in yeah terms of the colors definitely um but yeah I, I, I definitely will give you like the, those those the first half of this book first third even um is so exposition heavy and yeah. it's just baffling because it's written by an artist who yeah knows how to like tell a story with his uh, with his art like there's you know there's the, the double page spread of um our hero um just like kicking ass yeah and taking names so she like beats down you can see her kind of like flipping into the scene and every time she appears on these two pages she's taking out another soldier mm-hmm. it's just great it's yeah, so much fun it's so it's such a gorgeous book so i definitely think like you know this is his first first book as a writer mm-hmm. to my knowledge anyway um and i think hopefully he, he finds his feet a bit more now that this you know exposition is kind of out of the way and um he's done a lot of world building in, in this book yes you know with those multiple narrations, whether or not you actually took in everything that, that, that happened in this issue is, is another thing. I did not. But uh, I definitely will be giving this um, multiple issues because, I mean, he is one of my favorite artists working today. And it's baffling that he's like, ex- I don't know if he is exclusive to IDW or he just chooses to only publish through them because I, like if I was a publisher, I'd be like just throwing money at him. Yeah, totally. Um, not even like to get him to write anything. I just, just throw just money throw at him. Just throw money at like, him. Yeah, give me, hey, hey, Dan DiDio, another thousand thanks. <laughs> For the like, Gabriel Rodriguez throwing out fund. <laughs> Why is Dan DiDio giving you money? Because I work for D- DC. He's, uh, he's in charge of DC's money, right? Yep. That's yep. how it works. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Maybe I'm just asking him for money, just as a regular guy. And he's like, all right. <laughs> this sounds like a worthy cause. Um, so also through IDW this week, I read a Powerpuff Girls comic. Did you read this? <laughs> no, I did not. Um, I won't talk about much. It's called Powerpuff Girls, The Bureau of Bad. And I like the Powerpuff Girls cartoon. I've not really watched much of the reboot. Um, oh, me neither. Which was not very well received, I don't think. Um, but uh, um, I always kind of like, you know, we'll, we'll check in on these cartoon network books um, because I like the properties that they're based off of. Mm-hmm. Um, but something happened recently. We got a really good Rugrats book through Boom. Yes. And one of our favorite things about that was that the art did not 
look like stills from the show. Yeah. It wasn't this like super, like, you know, traced almost uh, from from stills that we've already seen of the characters in the show. That was like the artist took liberties with how these characters should look. So it looks like a very vibrant and alive book while still looking like the Rugrats. This unfortunately is like, yeah, kind of, I guess what all these Cartoon Network books do, it just looks like an episode of, of, of Powerpuff Girls, right. which, you know, I guess should be what it does in a way, hmm. but, um, it, but it's not bringing anything. There's new. no vibrancy or motion to the to the to the way the characters move around. And I also think in in cases like this, like what's the point of this comic? Like the Rugrats comic is great because it is reinvigorating something that's no longer on TV, and it's like adding something. Yes, this is just like doing a shitty reproduction of an episode. It really is. Yeah, yeah. It really is. It doesn't really feel like anything new. So um, that, that's that, that's my review. Nice. Yeah, I won't be reading any more of this. And I, I just want to say that like Rugrats is that good. Yeah. Like it's just a hilarious thing to say. But, <laughs> and we, we, we're getting really th- the same publisher, Boom, is putting out a Rocco's Modern Life comic this week. I'm excited to read that too. Especially if like I, I, if this is like the, the way they're looking at it now. Like because Boom also did the Great Adventure Time comics, mm-hmm. which never look like in it. Like you know, the, yeah. the artists take great liberties with what those characters look like. Um, and you get quite stylized variations, you know, from arc to arc. I think that's way more preferable to having it look just like it did on the television show. I agree. Chasing Hitler. <laughs> it's the uh, the edgy sequel to Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a comic book came out this week called uh, through Red Five Comics, um, and it is uh, written by Haley and Jai Nitz, <clears throat> with art by Jethro Morales and colors by Marie Enger. And. This is the the con- they very easily like. <sighs> Sorry. Do you need me to they finish the sentence? <laughs> <laughs> They've done a great job by just putting the basic conceit in the first page, which just says, "What if Hitler escaped Nazi Germany at the end of World War Two? So, if you like speculative history fiction, this could be the comic for you guys. But then. After, like, setting up what's going to happen on that first page, we yeah. then read an entire comic of that happening. Yeah. Like, so Hitler doesn't escape until the very end of, uh, of the comic after he's uh, married Ava Von Braun. Um, and uh, all the while... <laughs> I, think, I don't think... She, did she have a Von in her name? Was it just Ava, Ava Braun? Braun? Uh, uh, there's a Tom Lehrer song. Ah, uh, okay. And he wrote a, a, Ava Von Braun. Uh. I don't know. That, that's how I, I... I know all my historic references <laughs> through pop culture, so I'm never to be trusted. <laughs> um, but they, so they set up a couple of really uninteresting sort of, um, I guess it's supposed to be like a British soldier and an American soldier, but they're not that interesting. Yep. Her name, middle names are Anna and Paula. So thanks for nothing, Tom Lehrer. Fucking hell, Tom Lehrer. <laughs> um, um, yeah, this was pretty boring. And a surprisingly sympathetic version of Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, I'm, I'm genuinely not opposed to. I think that we can have more interesting... Um, takes on real life villains, I guess. Yes. Yeah, because I think yeah, I mean, a lot of people kind of get away with doing the most depraved stuff ever if they're like, oh, but it's just to Nazis. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think that that's like, it's not always a very like you know good excuse to just kill a bunch of people horrifically. Yeah, totally. I think if you do, like, I mean, don't humanize a monster by all means, but I think you know, exploring, making them a bit more interesting in ter- for the for the aid of a story. Not mm. not history itself, I think, yeah. is, is always interesting. Agreed. Um, I'll be giving this another issue because, like, even though this first issue was not particularly interesting, I think uh, now that from the second issue onwards, it's going to be them actually chasing Hitler. And it's only a four-issue miniseries. Yeah. Red 5 are good like that. Um, which you wouldn't Probably know because I don't think you've ever read a Red 5 comic. No. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> 
Um, so yeah, it's Chasing Hitler. I'll be reading issue number two and I'll try and force you one too if it's good. We'll um, see. This week, uh, we got a new Vault comic um, called Reactor. And uh, this is another comic written by Donny Cates, who uh, is currently getting praise for his work over at Marvel. Um, he's, got a, he, he's just finished. He's had three image books this year, including that weird like uh, oversized one-shot that we neither of us read about like... Looks like kind of like a metal book about a guitar or something. Oh yeah, in space, space guitar, the book. <laughs> Finally, um, this is a book called Reactor. It's got art by Dylan Burnett and colors by D. Kniff. Um, and uh, this is a story about uh, a bunch of like assassins or whatever leading an army against vampires. Yeah. Are they assassins. I don't know. They're like mech guys. They have big mech suits and they're um, fighting a sort of endless war Let's against just, the vampires who are They're mercenaries. Mercenaries. Yeah. Technologically advanced mercenaries who have been trapped on a planet filled with, with vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, on a neighboring planet, there are people with lots of money who don't see the value in keeping the, planet, the entire planet and any of its inhabitants anymore. Um, so not only are they up against vampires, but they're also up against the imminent doom from rich people with spaceships. Yeah. <sighs> um, I liked this. Oh, this was a fun yeah, me issue. Too. I especially liked the reveal of uh, the, the 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 president. Yeah, who's twelve and a total <coughs> dick, but great at golf. Yeah, I love that. That was so good. Yeah, and any any president that that whose first line is "Nah, fuck Earth," <laughs> it's great. All right, so that's the planet. Fuck, it's Earth. Yeah. It's not just a vampire planet. It's Earth. No. That's like, like the first word on this comic is Earth. I miss that. <laughs> and it's like it's it's very silly. Like this is very um, like the humor's quite broad, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But it made it did make me giggle. It's almost like his take on um, very nineties. Like what was the um the scroll scroll kill crew? Yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Miller and um and Grant Morrison did together. Um, it kind of like feels like a take on that, like this really badass, yeah, um, vampire killer squad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 humorous enough to for me to keep reading. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm on board. I just love how varied every Vault book is. I don't think there's any two that have been similar in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, similar in tone or anything like that. Um, yeah, this was good fun. I liked oh, cool. it. It was way funnier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, definitely. Which is always a treat. Uh, so the final number one that I read this week, uh, if you've got another one after this, uh, mm-hmm. John Wick, um, who uh, is the Keanu Reeves uh, character, uh, that the star of the films John Wick and John Wick 2. Um, he finally got his own comic book series. Finally. finally. He's a, he's, he is such a comic a fi- book character. a five-year-old though. character. I've never, I haven't seen either, either of movies. Oh, really? Yeah. I, okay, I haven't seen two yet, but I loved the first one, and I love Keanu. Reeves. Yeah, I love Keanu. Reeves. I, I would read. I'd read a, a book just called Keanu Reeves. Yes, and it's just about him being like nice to people. Yes, because apparently he is. I would read that also. Yeah, um, but uh, this book is written it's by my Greg. Personal fan fiction about <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Greg Pack uh, with art by Giovanni Valletta, colors by David Curiel and Inlight Studios. Um, I think the art is the worst thing about this book. Um, there are yeah. moments of like kind of good panels, but there's almost no background art at all. Just like <laughs> people in front of like beige. Grayscale. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Did you get much out of this as a person who's not watched the movies? Um, like I kind of, I knew what they were trying to do. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. thought the writing was like interesting enough. I, I'm not really compelled to read any more of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, as I was thinking, I was like, man, I bet if I watched this, I, this would mean something to me. Yeah, I still, I did enjoy it. It's not like the most mind-blowing comic of all time, and it's not better than the movies Who's by any it means. Is? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I probably won't read any more of this. I was about to be like, oh, I'll keep reading this. But, like, I think I just got, um, there's a great Giovanni Timpano cover. Yep. Yeah, it's um, an excellent With cover. a very good likeness of Keanu on it. And I think that tricked me. Great. Greg, uh, Pack, Greg Pack does a great job. But, great. Um, Cowan and Sinkovich cover oh, as well. Oh, hell yeah. But yeah, I, it's just, yeah, I feel like Dynamite needs to stop splurging out on uh, on variant covers and just put a bit more effort into the production of the art within their books. Yeah. Because I, I, I feel like it's, it's always like the, 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 the first thing I'll say about one of their books is, oh, the art could be better. Yeah, totally. And it's never the fault of the actual, I feel like it's always like, you know, you have two weeks to draw the new John Wick comic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, And you've yeah. got to do it with your left hand because <laughs> you have to write another comic for us with your right <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, if you're a fan of the series, you'll probably be a fan of this comic too. Um, what's the final number one for us this week? Okay, I read Quarry's War by Max Allen Collins and Simon Kudransky. Kudransky. Um, colors by Guy Major. And this is a book about a guy whose name is Quarry, and it's telling two stories. One from his past and one from his present. Uh, oh, sorry, this is published by Hard Case Crime. Through the Titan, Titan imprint. Yeah. Um, and it's like... It, so one story is set now when he's like an assassin, and then another story is set years in the past when he was a sniper during the Vietnam War. And it tells it literally page by page. So one page is the past, one page... Or like one page is the present, one page is the past. And I found that very irritating. I would much rather have had it like half and half, or if the two stories were relevant to each other in any way, mm-hmm. maybe it could have worked. But it's just telling to- two totally disparate stories with a character who doesn't seem to have much of a personality, so it's hard to even see that they're similar. Right. Um, with pretty average art. And we're getting so many Nam comics at the moment. I don't know what's going on, but that's now the new thing. Two? Too many, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, this didn't really do that much for me, so I'm probably not going to read more. And I might be wrong, but is this the first um, that we've come across at least um, uh, hard case crime book that hasn't been written by a woman? Well, maybe. I feel like all the hard case crime books have been uh, yeah, like quite feminist driven. Like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, possibly. I'm not 100% sure. That's really. what made them cool and kind of gave them the edge because it was telling like familiar tropes, but with a different, different eye. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't tell if this is like based on another property or something maybe because also i do run the risk of mac of max being a fairly androgynous name sometimes so i could be wrong oh yeah true max allen collins who is apparently a new york times best-selling author right uh his his work also there's a picture of him definitely not a lady definitely not a lady oh right yeah he did road to petition and he did mommy too mommy's day Let's watch that. Sounds good. <laughs> Maybe a commentary of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so those are all of our number one issues this week. Um, if you would like to discuss any of the ones that you read or wish that we did read instead, easiest way, place to find us is on our Facebook group, which you can find at facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast. Nice. Missed, I forgot what the last word there. Fuck. <laughs> um, so Siobhan, you're looking real fresh today. Any Thanks. reason why? Because I shaved. Thank you so much. And what kind of razor <laughs> did you shave with today? A very good one. That's right. One that you got from dollarshaveclub.com. It's the yes. answer to finally making your life so much easier. Since Siobhan joined Dollar Shave Club, she doesn't need to choose between price and quality to get an amazing shave anymore. Dollarshaveclub.com is a no-brainer for an incredible shave delivered right to Siobhan's door. Uh, they deliver high-quality razors right to Siobhan's home for less than what she used to pay, which was... <laughs> 
heaps. Razors are so expensive, guys. And I have a very bristly chin. Now there's no reason for her to deal with the hassle of going to the store to pick up expensive razors. Thanks to the You've club. You've done a really good job of personalizing this copy. I'm going to send it to him. Like, Aren't we good at this? Uh, <laughs> Siobhan gets a first class shave with her executive razor. And when she uses it with their Dr. Kale Carver's shave brother, the blade just gently glides for the smoothest shave imaginable. Here's your chance to see why over 3 million Siobhans, like Siobhan, <laughs> love Dollar Shave Club. Right now, you can get your first month of the club for as little as $5. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality and value of all their products that there's no long-term commitment in, or any hidden fees. There's no reason not to join. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash serious issues. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash serious issues. Nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, in, 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 in actuality, like there is nothing better than not having to worry about things that you need all the time. Totally. So getting them sent to your fucking house. That's the way to do it. Absolutely. Do they have a patronizing like lady, um, lady shave subscription option where everything's pink and costs three times as much for no reason? This, is, this seems pretty unisex. Nice. Um, but yeah, if you want, maybe you can get like a, a bedazzler oh, on, on the side. Yes. Would you? Yeah. I'm gonna bejewel my bejewel, dollar it, shave yeah. club. I, I was getting mixed with. I mixed up with vajazzler. <laughs> Uh, yeah, again, again. Shave, want, then vajazzle. Thank you so much, Don't Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> no, God. <laughs> uh, it would be painful. Um, dollarshave.club.com slash serious issues. Thank you so much to dollarshaveclub.com for supporting the podcast. Siobhan, now it's time to play a very, very fun game. And that is uh, roll the dice for Image, Marvel, or DC. And uh, 1 to 2 is Image, 3 to 4 is Marvel, and 5 to 6 is DC. And the first one is 2, so it's Image first. And then... Five, so this, the one DC book that we have second, nice. and then we're going to end on Marvel and other publishers. So let's talk about some image books now. They okay. are probably put out the most books this week that yeah. I read. Same. Um, it's and a great uh, week too. <clears throat> yeah, enormous. Um, which one should we talk about first? Let's talk about Maestros. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Because um, we've got some uh, some books that actually ended some uh, some book, some serious issues favorites that ended mm. as well. We can talk about them in a minute. Uh, Maestro's had its second issue. This is written by Steve Scrooge with Dave Stewart and Phonographics. Mm -hmm. And I should say, I think this actually came out a few weeks ago, but it only... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage... Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Just shipped to Kings because oh, of okay. Bloody Diamond. Bloody Diamond. And they are also the respons- responsible for the fact that we did not have, have not, will not be able to review Black Magic this yeah. week. Didn't very ship nice. this week, unfortunately, but hopefully very soon. Uh, Maestro's is uh, the story about a uh, an exiled magician who's mm-hmm. been laying low on Earth, um, who finds his entire family, bar his mother, has been destroyed, and thus it is up to him to become the magic king or something. Yep. King of all magic. <laughs> king of all magic. Leader of this world. Um, and so uh, we kind of learned all that in the first issue, and this uh, second issue just sees what he is doing as king. Yeah. Um, it's been written and drawn by Steve Scross, who is um, just a phenomenal artist on Incredible. par with like a Jeff Darrow or a, um, just, you know, one of those artists that you could tell labors over every panel forever because everything is so detailed. Absolutely. And, you know, he, he can't just draw someone in the background without like intricately d- d- detailing every tiny, in- every tiny centimeter of their costume. Absolutely. Um, and it, it looks gorgeous. It looks great. Um, and, uh, there is still a little bit too much exposition in each issue, but yeah. the story is absolutely coming through, and uh, I'm really enjoying both the story and uh, how despicable some of the characters in this world are. Um, in, in particular, the, the the main character, he's like, you know, he, he has such good intentions, but he's still quite depraved in a way and uh, kind of useless as well. Absolutely. He's a sort of, um, but he's like, he's this really well-meaning sort of hapless idiot and he's gone and done all this like social studies. So he knows exactly what he should do. Should he ever become the maestro? And it's all kind of very, um, left-leaning ideology wise. That's right. It's good. It's good fun. This kind of reminds me of like, cause it's sort of, um, Satirical of the genre in a kind of Terry Pratchetty way, sure. But it's like a really filthy Terry Pratchett. Yeah, it reminds me of like uh, one of uh, Steve Scrooge's recent um, collaborators, Brian K. Vaughan. Absolutely, from a writing point of view, quite a lot. Um, and uh, look, hopefully, with any luck, he'll get as good as Brian K. Vaughan is at balancing, you know, world building and and you know just moving the story along. Yeah, um, but, but I the, like this a lot. Yeah, me too. This is a this is a just a joy to read. And so I like fun. how flawed this character is. Like he's funny and charming and well-meaning but still just kind of a dick yeah totally and i like that exactly um who lets his guard down in a bad way towards yeah. the end of this issue and uh who knows what's going to happen in the next one but from the look at the cover nothing good nothing good is going to happen <laughs> he's being licked in the face by the guy who killed his father and everyone near and dear to his father Man, the cover's so good. The cover's what a great incredible. Cover. How is he like? Surely this is going to be a six issues then a hiatus series. I know Image don't like to reveal that at first, but like, there's no way Scross could keep up keep this up as a as a monthly. Maybe he's like got a whole bunch of issues in the can. Yeah, I guess he was kind of so. semi quiet over the last few years. Besides the Brian K. Vaughan book. Mm. Uh, so that's Maestro's issue number two. Let's talk about Spy Seal. Oh, Let's talk, talk about, about Spy Seal. <laughs> Spy Seal is the Rich Tommaso. Um, a uh, book which is homage uh, to Tintin. Homage to Tintin, um, told through like anthropomorphic animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lead of which is a seal who is a spy, hence the name Spy, spy Seal. seal. Um, it's also, an I easy like. Sell, guys. <laughs> I, I also um, like that uh, if if you're only hearing us talking about it, it sounds like we're saying spice eel. Nice. Like it's an it's a really hot eel. <laughs> it's like the third Spice Girl. Yeah, perfect. By third, I mean spice six. eel. I can't remember how many Spice Girls there were. How many Spice Girls were there? 
five. Five, yeah. I like that I looked at Wayne for that, and he was like, five. Five, five, yeah. <laughs> One for every Olympic ring. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, this is such a beautiful book, and I love the subtle um, visual nods to Tintin as well. Like, there's... Uh, just the the way the landscapes look, the fact that someone shows up in a kilt in this, I felt like was a yep. little bit referential. Well, of... someone. It ain't just someone. Someone. It's Spicyl, but he's dressed as an old dog. Great. So great. And uh, and I loved that, like, Plain. we had, the first three pages are written in extremely, like, Scottish yeah. um, dialect. <laughs> dialect. It's dialect, really yeah. hard to read. It's brilliant. Um, yeah. The only things that this was missing for me as a Tintin homage is someone like, you know how Tintin always uses his fingers and pretends to be a gun and is like, put them up and sticks them in someone's back. Yep. They needed that. Also, someone needed to be chloroformed. Other than that, Oh, perfect. yeah, totally. Yep, true. Totally perfect. Also, if he had a, like a, a, another smaller animal could page, like, like, or if he had like a little person. Yeah. It was his snowy. <laughs> like. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. What a, like such a fun book. I think this will be, more fun also to read in trade format just well, to it's funny you should mention that Siobhan because um that not only is a trade coming of this uh which the, the, this this first um, run has been called the Cotton Steel Phoenix mm-hmm. um and volume number 1 of the Cotton Steel Phoenix comes out in January next year so very right. very soon and it is going to be an oversized oh my god like sick. like the old tra- Tintin trades that's were. great um, well, Tintin, That's, that'll Tintin be issues. worthwhile getting, um, just to be able to see this art blown up to that size. Definitely, like yeah, I'm 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 100 adding that to my order. Like that's so exciting, and yeah. I, you know I feel like if you've heard us rave about the book, um, and you've kind of wanted to, if you've been keen enough to give it a shot, like holy shit, like absolutely, uh, definitely getting it for my uh, friend Angus Truscott, my mm-hmm. co-host on uh, on fan. his birthday in January too. Oh, perfect. So yeah, as a Tintin fan, this is 100 percent what he's going to get. And he doesn't listen to this podcast, so no one fucking tell him. No one tell him, guys. I'll know it was you. Um, oh, man, what was I going to say? I can't remember. You were going to say Spicy Eel's great. Spicy Eel is so great. It's so great, guys. It does um, also just make me want to go back and re-attend him, though. Yeah, which is great. Which is great. Yeah, and I, I not only do I have... Um, uh, a whole bunch of Tintin to read, um, but I also have like a whole bunch of Tintin European Tintin copycats that I bought in nice. a recent uh, humanoid sale on yep. uh, on uh, Comicsology, and Great. like some of them look so much fun. So I'll be talking about that in a future Patreon episode for sure. Cool. Also, did you guys know? I read this recently in a book about Hergé, but he was one of the first people to use word balloons. Oh, crazy! Yeah. What was before? It was just like, like a little dash, and then no, the text? just like underneath. Oh right. Yeah. Very Go cool. Hergé. Hergé, what a fucking... Not all bad, is what I have to say about him. <laughs> um, another series ended this week, um, and it was uh, season two of Renato Jones' Freelancer. Did you stick with this? I sure did. Uh, written and drawn... Sorry, created, written, drawn, coloured, and owned by Car Kyle Andrews. Um, and uh, this was a, a very um, kind of like mirroring current p- p- politics, mm-hmm. but in a very fun and extreme way. Absolutely. Um, in which Renato Jones plays a, um, a man raised to be a businessman, but by night, he uh, puts on a mask and, and, and shoots crime in the face Yeah, uh, as a vigilante. Says, choke on this, and then shoots people in the face. Um, and uh, the second season saw his, uh, his very rich neighbor become the president of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and his kind of reign started out like he was like a pawn. Mm-hmm. But then he, his like true motives are revealed in the, in the last few arcs, and let's just say that this issue begins with uh, a whole bunch of nuclear weapons headed towards America, yeah. and him um, basically offering the codes to disarm the nuclear arms headed towards the families of the richest people in the world um, in terms for money, in, in, in exchange for money. Mm. 
So uh, not the greatest president. No, but not the worst. Um, and uh, this uh, this issue kind of uh, wraps everything up mm-hmm. um, in a kind of almost too neat way because we, we find a lot of a lot of uh, characters in this um, have a much closer connection to Renato Jones and have been there since the very start of mm-hmm. his uh, um, origin story. Um, but uh, I think it ended in a kind of ni- nice enough way that I'd, I'd definitely read another series of this. Yeah, totally. I hope that we get to see more of this character because it's really fun. It's a really fun series. Although it's kind of a, like, he's anti, sort of anti the 1%. That's his key thing. That's his key character trait. But he himself is this, like, ultra wealthy dude. I would like Renato Jones, uh, not Renato Jones, fucking hell. I would like Kari Carl Andrews to address that at some point in a future series. <clears throat> I mean, he, he kind of has. Like, he, he, he only has the wealth because he needs to be seen as the businessman by day, yeah. right? Yeah, but then the series ends and he's still super well. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> I'm on board with yeah. this. And it's just such a gorgeous looking book. Like, even if I had no idea what was going on in it, I still love it. Yeah, it me too. so cool. <clears throat> really, really cool. And also, it wasn't revealed that he had, um, like, toxic sperm at the end of this. What, what was that in? Have you read the uh, Kari Kyle Andrews um, Spider-Man book? No. In which, uh, yeah, like Mary, ja- toxic sperm? Mary Jane dies because Peter Parker <laughs> has developed radioactive sperm. Okay, I have to find yeah. that and read that. That sounds incredible. Um, so, yeah, that would be really funny if he was cursed to end every book with that reveal. <laughs> God, man, I'm running such a good one this time. I guess i got to write the radioactive sperm in. Um, so let's talk about Kill or Be Killed. Yes, please. <clears throat> now, I just want to, I always do it to myself. I always like look at all my books that I've got for the week. I see Kill, yeah. Kill, Kill, Kill or Be Killed in there. I'm like, no, don't read that straight away because that will ruin the, the rest of the books that you have to read this week. Yeah. Never listen. No. Read it first. Yeah. Every other book sucked in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's just, I don't know how, like, I don't know what else I can say to convince people to read this. It's so good. It's so good, guys. <laughs> I would be very book. surprised if this book didn't win our best book of the year. It, I think yeah. when I think about it, like, that, look, look, if, if, I, if I add, if I take nuance out of the equation, if I just boil it down to what book has, like, completely, like, you know, when it started last year, I didn't love it straight away, but this mm. has won me over and then some. Absolutely. It's, it's one of my favorite artists with one of my favorite writers with one of my new favorite colorists. Yeah. Just, like, expertly telling a story that I've never read before. Absolutely. And I think for that, like, reason alone, it's just, like, I just can't let anything else get near that top position. Yeah. Um, Brubaker has done, like, like, it's so crazy to see him developing so much as a writer when he was already so great. Yep, 100%. And, like, to just be continuing to become more and more expert and find new and interesting ways of telling stories. And fucking hell, Sean Phillips is, like... Yeah. Just, like, the characters are so disparate and interesting and the facial expressions are so minute in their like specificity like it's so beautiful it's so beautiful to look at and i i don't know if it's like his pairing with brightwise on colors but like this you know he, he's, such he's, a, a team. he's a big fan of shadowing out part of the face mm-hmm. and like I, I don't know what she brings to it that wasn't there before but it just looks so much better than it used to absolutely um yeah and i think and like the scary y- demon is so scary and yeah. so good and like the ongoing is he crazy or is there really a demon is so compelling yeah, I and mean, you know this 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 issue opens with a scene that we've seen like four times in the series yeah. so far, and they're still doing new things with that scene. Yeah, um, it's really really great, and also like I think Brubaker is one of the few writers like, you know, 
we love comic books and we we do read a tons, but there there is nothing more turn of a turn off than when you turn a page and it's just a bunch of prose sometimes. Yeah. And like, I, it makes you feel like an idiot. He's like, oh, where are the pictures? Why it's all words? I hate reading. But I think Brubaker is just like finally unlocked. Like I, I I'm fine when he does it. Like I, in fact, I, I I love getting any any extra words from Brubaker. Agreed. Um, and the back matter is always so interesting. Yep. Yep. So good and such a like, because they don't collect those in the trade. So it's really a worthwhile thing to pick up in um, in single. English, like yeah. if you have an interest in sort of classic cinema or film noir, there are such interesting essays in the back by um, Kim Morgan, every issue. That oh, no, so it's, so it's, a, you know, it's a different different writer each issue. I, I really thought yeah, it was yeah. always Kim Morgan. Am I stupid? I'm stupid. I don't know, yeah, yeah, but um, this one's all about the hitchhiker. Um, and also just even his letter um, in uh, his column, The Secret mm. Ingredient. Um, uh, Brubaker's letter is really, really funny and, we, and even just informative. He just tells you, tells you a bunch of television and books that yeah. he's been reading. He takes a dig at um, them, the DC doing revisiting the Watchmen characters again, which is yeah, very funny. funny. <clears throat> he didn't like the new Blade Runner movie, which is mm. interesting. Did mm. you see that? No, I haven't seen that's it. Yet. A, I need to rewatch the original. That's a that's a long, long movie to sit through in a, in a crying room at a cinema. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm not gonna do that. Um, so yeah, Kill or Be Killed, issue number fourteen. Uh, you could have probably guessed our review. Before, before we even talk about it. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, for sure. Uh, Motor Crush this week returned. Um, issue number eight, written by uh, the team, sorry, created by the team of Brendan Fletcher, Cameron Stewart, and Babs Tarr. Um, and it's about set in the future society in which there's a, a woman who is maybe part alien who's been raised by someone that she was found by and mm-hmm. she races cars and is addicted to some weird drug that's also alien. Yep. Um, it's, but the um, drug, the drug, she needs it to survive, but it also makes your motorbike go real fast. That's right. Um, so the, the the last issue, issue seven, which is like the return after a short hiatus, I just thought was so great. Mm. And I was like, why did I almost drop this book? And then I remember that the, the big alien threat is just a big hovering like diamond, mm. like a big pink hovering that. diamond with no, it, it shows up. I'll find it for you. It's a very pink book. Yeah, pink, the pink's great, but I just like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why it annoys me so much, but like everyone's so well detailed and drawn and everything's so well, well fleshed out. And then... That's, oh, I didn't that's the alien threat. Issue. The alien threat is that shape. Mm. It's like akin to like that weird pea green soup mist that was killing all the X-Men last year. Mm. Just a weird threat. Um, and I don't know why something so insignificant and irks me to the point that I don't want to read the book anymore because there's so much in this book that I do like. But I don't understand the decision to make the enemy a shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it'll, um, maybe it'll develop. Into something Wait, what, what, shape. what do shapes develop into? <laughs> maybe, we'll, shapes. maybe we'll get some Different eyes. Shapes. Maybe we'll get some. We'll just slap some, slap some eyes on there. Maybe that's what I should do before I read this issue. I'll just get some googly eyes yeah. and, a, and a glue stick. It's a great call. And just smash some eyes on all the shapes. Um, give give the characters that already have eyes a few extra ones. I love eyes. <laughs> but look, this is a good. This is a, a, a good. A good. Good. Good series. I just, it really like, is. Just that one thing gives me the shits. <laughs> um, doesn't seem like a fair critique. Uh, we got the uh, second issue of The Family Trade. Uh, see, I didn't get to this. Written by Justin Jordan with art by Nikki Ryan. Um, and uh, Sorry, written by Justin Jordan and Nikki Ryan with art by Morgan Beam um, and letters by Rachel Deering. Uh, man, I love the art. Morgan Beam's art on this book is so unique and cool. Like, it's just like this very kind of throwback children's book style watercolour. Um, artwork, mm. which is the main reason I'm, I'm I'm reading this. The story itself, this one was uh, kind of not as fun as the first issue, but very much kind of like introducing characters that I know we'll see more of. 
Um, even though I don't really care what the story is so far, I just am enjoying it for the art. It's a gorgeous book. Yeah. Uh, and I know a good story will de- develop because Justin Jordan is a good writer. Hmm. And I'm sure Nikki Ryan is good too. Great. Did you read any more image books? Yeah. I also read issue five of Sacred Creatures. Mm-hmm. By it's just the most enormous creative team, written by Pablo Raimondi and Klaus Janssen, letters by Clem Robbins, also colors by Dean White. Blah blah blah. Anyway, it's really good. Um, this is like an insanely complicated book to explain, and it is such a huge. Like every issue feels like this gigantic, oversized issue. There's just so much that happens in it. So yeah, they must, they must have written and drawn this years ago. Yeah, they, I feel. There is definitely a sense that they have been working on this concept for a very long time. Um, and so it sort of reminds me of Neil Gaiman-y American Gods type stuff because this is yep. all to do with like angels and demons who live on our planet. And we get to see um, scenes set in the past during sort of the Tower of Babel Ooh. and stuff like that. Yep. And um, then also the story set now where these... Uh, the seven deadly sins are targeting this one dude's kid. And it's really like, it's like, I like this book because it has a real sort of uh, urgency to it. Mm-hmm. The contemporary scenes, because it's like, they are chasing this dude and his baby has just been born. His baby is a newborn. I mean, I'm just extra sensitive to that, at the moment. <laughs> but it's really emotional and it's um, really beautifully drawn, really well realized. I really enjoy this. It's yeah. such a, it seems so silly, but I really like it. I don't know why I dropped it. I think I just forgot to get a few issues. And it's because they're like, so big, it's just like, oh, I'll just wait for a trade. It's a big read, every issue, but I think it's super worthwhile. If that sort of thing appeals to you, I think it's um, worth tracking down. What's the cover price on each issue? Um, four ninety nine. So it is a bit more expensive, but you are getting a huge amount of story in each issue. Awesome. Uh, so I read two more image books, um, and they were one of them was Manifest Destiny, issue number thirty-two, written by Chris Dingus, uh, Matthew Roberts, and then art by Tony Akins and Owen Gianni. Um, sorry, art by Matthew Roberts, Tony Akins, and Owen Gianni, just written by Chris Dingus. Um, and this uh, kind of pushes the um, the plot forward, in which we are kind of you know we're, we're following um, Burke and Wills on their. <laughs> do I do it again? I did it again. <laughs> Fuck. The American Burke and Wills. Yeah, America's answer to Burke and Wills. <laughs> Who are the fucking explorers again? Um, God, this sucks. Every time I do it too, you would think I would remember. I think uh, I'd remember. Yeah, from how many times you have to remind me that it's not Burke and Wills. <laughs> um, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Same basic concept though. Yeah. Um, Bunch but, of white guys being like, we discovered this. Yeah. Now, can you get a colored person to come and help us? <laughs> Um, but uh, look, this comic's really, really good as they make their way from one coast of uh, America to the other. Um, and I'm actually like Googling Lewis and Clark. There we go. Lewis and Clark. There we go. Um, but in this, they've, they've uh, kind of collected a bunch of other um, uh, characters along their journeys. And one of them is a, uh, a French woman um, who has uh, been, I can't remember if she was attacked or raped um, oh God. earlier in the series. But um, this this is like... The first my, half of this book is um is narrated by her completely in French, and so I like, spent the the first half kind of like trying to pick words that I could recognize out of the French language, not only to realize that there was a full translation at the end of the book, <laughs> um but basically it's a it's a tale of vengeance, mm. and uh, quite a satisfying one at that. Mm. So uh, yeah, I love definitely. tales of vengeance. Yeah, it was, and this is a really really good one. It felt very different to all of the issues that have come previous to this one. One of my probably the, the most uh, I've enjoyed Manifest Destiny since the first. 18 issues or so. Cool. 
Yeah, cool issue. Um, and finally, I read Lazarus X plus 66, which is the interim um, kind of one-shot series uh, set within the Lazarus universe that um, Greg Rucker and um, Eric Troutman are telling um, in between the main series while Michael Lark... Um, he just hasn't rest. Cat- yeah, well, I mean, not really. He wrote, <laughs> he drew half of Batman this, this oh, week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, he's been having guest artists for each one shot, and this one had Bilquis Everly, mm. um, and was exquisite. I did see this on her Instagram. Yeah, on, it looks beautiful. It's so good. Um, and so this was really, really cool. Again, very, very different to um, all the issues that have come before it. Um, this one was all about um, uh, Sarah Cooper, who is a reporter, um, and she uh, is known throughout Carlisle ter- territory, which is like kind of the main family that we that we see the story based in. Um, she's known as the face of the past, um, and uh, this is basically her kind of trying to make it as a reporter, having to do dumb fluff pieces while also trying to expose the truth behind um, one of the missing family members. Mm. Um, and uh, she, in fact, uncovers that uh, he is not what everyone thinks he is. Which is dead at the beginning of the issue, right. mm. um, and uh, like on on the way there, we just meet and see her kind of like, you know, do different tricks to kind of get all different sides of the story, or kind of you know even use her body to kind of get where she wants. Mm. Um, and uh, it was a really really different kind of. I feel like of all the characters that we've met in this, this was the most that I can imagine existing today in our world. Okay. Whereas all the other ones feel like they are a necessity to come out of a really really dire. Mm. You know, semi-post-apocalyptic kind of, uh, not quite apocalyptic, but like you know, in in the Lazarus world, all the, all the the world is divided up by the families and right, right, people right. people like us live as filth. I am a waste. It's nice <laughs> um, to be recognised as such. <laughs> so there's one more of these one shots left before we get regular Lazarus back, uh, which is pretty pretty exciting. It's been a really, oh. it's been quite a great. Um, miniseries. Yeah, it's so weird that this is like the one Rucker book that I don't read. I yeah, really you should read binge. It. It's a good little binge read. Yeah. <laughs> In all that spare time you got. I have to finish Final Crisis. Are <laughs> <laughs> um, we DC so, now? Uh, yeah, DC now. We've got the one DC book that came out this week that didn't have a one on it, and that is the Batman Annual Number 2, um, which was written by Tom King with uh, returning artist Lee Weeks, who, they, who we previously worked with on the um, extremely, like, surprisingly great... Um, Batman Elmer Fudd book, yeah. um, which pains you every time I say how good it was. <laughs> Still like it that much. Um, this uh, we, that's I'm, I'm nominating that as like one of the best single issues of the year. Everyone's gonna vote for it just because they hate me. <laughs> um, and then we also had Michael Lark showing up to do um, the uh, the kind of uh, epilogue on this uh, issue too. And then entire- colors by Elizabeth Brightweiser. Oh really? Story. Yep. Fuck, and I didn't June see Chung that. In the second. Yeah, oh. that's why it's gorgeous. That's why it's so good, isn't it? Wow, what a what a great um, lineup of, of, of creators. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so this um, ties in really well to the current story that w- King is telling um, in Batman, um, the ongoing series at the moment in which um, Batman and Catwoman are going to get married. <clears throat> and so this one, like we kind of, we know that they both remember different first meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman's is more in line with the golden age um, first meeting of Catwoman, uh, whereas Catwoman remembers um, the Frank Miller year one story as mm. their first meeting. This one tells like their uh, their early adventures together, in which Catwoman just continually breaks into the Batcave and leaves mice around, um, just to just to like tease Batman, just to basically. Test him, just to um, make yeah. him better, make him stronger, show him where his weaknesses are. Exactly. 
Um, and uh, I really loved that, like adding that to their backstory, I thought was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <clears throat> the book, um, and look, if you don't want to be spoiled for this issue, uh, skip forward a few minutes. Um, you can see on the tag when we start talking about Marvel comics, just skip to that. But I think, you know, this is like one of those very special issues that I would like to talk about in depth. Um, the book ends with, uh, uh, like it, it, the, the, the first story ends with, I guess, their first kiss. Um, and then, uh, is it their first? Yeah, it is their first kiss. And then we jump forward to, I guess, their last kiss because mm. we see um, Batman and Catwoman have grown old together. They have a, a daughter who they've named Helena, which is what they Helena named. Helena Bertinelli. They, that's what they named their daughter in Earth 2. Yeah. Um, and uh, we jump forward and we see that Bruce is sick yep. and there's nothing anyone can do to save him. He's just he's, old. He's just lived a happy life and yep. he's, he's, he's so grateful to have had a loving family, um, especially Selena, and um, he dies and leaves her a present. And like, I just, I thought this was a really, really special book that was like, you know, you, the usual Tom King trying to get inside the head of all the characters, even if you don't really want to get inside the heads. Just trying and to make everyone cry. But As I, per usual, Tom King trying to make everyone cry. But this had a lot of heart. did have a lot of heart. And I think, uh, you know, if I, if I w- w- were to criticize any of his work, because they are somewhat lacking in the heart department sometimes. Not all the time. Too much heart. What's that really? Yeah. Oh, okay, right. So, too much so, that, so you're me. lacking in the heart department. Yes. <laughs> what did you think, Siobhan? Um, I did like this issue a lot. It's sort of... I thought it was good. I don't think it was, like, incredible. You know? Like, I think it was good. I think that it was kind of... Sometimes I feel like Tom King is just trying to, like, get an emotional response in a really easy way. Mm -hmm. And I think that he achieved that. I don't know if it was necessarily that satisfying for me. And also because this is, like... Like, it's a great... It's a great annual. It's a great single issue. It's a great potential possible future kind of story. I I don't mind that stuff. Um, And it looks beautiful yeah well for me this resonated because uh i feel like everyone has been kind of saying oh this marriage isn't going to happen it's not going to happen like Mm. you know how long is this going to last and i love that even if it doesn't in terms of regular continuity last longer than a year or whatever Mm. tom king's pretty much said with this issue fuck it it lasts forever yeah it lasts until the end and that's that and i like I, I really, really enjoyed that because even if, you know, he's just kind of added a weird little footnote to the long-term bat history, yeah, he's still able to tell the, the, the end of the story um, to I the point that- where I would love to see stories told in that in that world now that Bruce has finally passed on, what happens next? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does his daughter take on the mantle? Like, yeah, exactly. What's that? that sounds cool, yeah. actually. Now I'm way on board with that. <laughs> Make that happen. Um, but... Uh, I think, like, you know, getting there, I loved, like, the, the kind of adding a little bit of history to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just, like... I, Lee just Weeks really, is... Well, obviously. A huge what, talent. Why isn't he, like... Why are we just getting these weird, like, random bursts of Lee Weeks in, like, terms of annuals and specials? He could, like, hold his own regular bat book so well. Like, he's such a good artist. There wasn't a bad panel in this. No, beautiful. <clears throat> and Michael Lark does an incredible job of the future stuff as well. Yeah, but, like... <laughs> this is no slight on Michael Lark, who I no. really, really enjoy. Michael Lark's work looks like shit compared to his. <laughs> like, I love Lark, and I can't wait for him to return to Lazarus, but, like, it doesn't look like shit. I mean, I'm being overly dramatic. Yeah. But, like, Weeks is just, like... I, it's real beautiful. That first it's kiss wild page good. is, like, beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous. And uh, definitely another 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 character, uh, artist who's uh, uh, who's been benefited from the use of bright wiser colours. Absolutely. 
Yeah, she does incredible work. That's the, that's going to be like one of the hardest things to vote on at the end of the year is best colorist. Because yeah. I love. I mean, I think for me, I mean, Belair's always going to be up there. Yeah. Um, Matt Wilson has done some great work this year, as always. But then, in terms of like newer colorists, um, Elizabeth Brightweiser and Tamra Tamra Bonvian, like yeah. they're like. They're like so recognizable in. I can't believe I didn't recognize this as um, mm. Brett Breitweiser, but like Tamara, I yeah. always like her colors are so perfect, like for, for the books that she does them on. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll be a fun award to, to vote on. Mm. Good, um, good <coughs> annual. Yeah, really good annual. Like, I mean, this was a week of like like super like three very different annuals: Super Sons, Aquaman, and Batman. Mm-hmm. But they were all like exactly what I want out of an annual. Even like either like you know this cool Elseworld story, something that like is able to tell like an extended take on the current kind of status mm-hmm. quo, which is what Batman did, and then just like a really really fun, um, silly kind of extended story in in Super Sons. Yep, good annuals. Yeah, I mean, good fifth week. For, for DC. DC are notorious. It's just kind of going, oh, fuck, what do we do? Just put this out. Mm. <laughs> um, so now we're going to talk about Marvel. And uh, we have a couple more Marvel books than we did DC. Um, I only have three, though. Well, should we talk about the legacy book, which is uh, Dark Hawk? Yes. The Return. Uh, this week we got issue number 51 of uh, the longtime missing Dark Hawk. We last saw the character um, in Avengers Arena. Yeah. But a different version of the character, right? No, no. Isn't that just Darkhawk? I thought Darkhawk was a girl. No. You need to reread Avengers Arena. Clearly. <laughs> Wasn't there a lady Darkhawk? <clears throat> no, Darkhawk is like, um, he's in Avengers Arena. He doesn't, he doesn't understand why he's in, um, why he's in, a, in the arena because he's so much older than everyone else. Uh. And then he ends up, the, the, he's like jewel or whatever the fuck it is, the diamond thing that he wears around his neck in this issue mm. is stolen from him and Chase becomes Darkhawk for a while. Right. Good good series, everyone. We, we recommend it very often, but Avengers Arena is one of the coolest Marvel series from recent memory. It is really good. Um, so this um, Darkhawk, The Return, part one of one, um, is uh, written by Chad Bowers and Chris Sims, uh, whose uh, book um, we really loved, just finished last week, um, Sword Quest. They wrote mm-hmm. that. Um, and art is by Kev Walker with colors by... I fucking love Kev He's Walker. so good, isn't he? He was on Avengers Arena. That's right. Java um, Tartaglia did colors on this one. Um, and uh, this catches us up with um, the character of... Uh, what was his name? Chris something. Chris Powell, who um, since being separated from the uh, weird amulet... Um, that uh, gives him his Darkhawk powers. He's not able to become Darkhawk anymore. And so he has become a cop, like his father. Um, and uh, he uh, has regular nightmares about becoming Darkhawk and his part- time in the past as Darkhawk. Dark um, but his girlfriend, um, who he wants to marry, or is he? Is it his wife? Whatever. No, I think they're about to get married. Um, fiance. Fiance. Uh, is like, hey, just throw away the amulet. It's fucking useless. Like, mm. you need to get, let, let go of these dreams. Um, and then so he uh, is called to, um, like while he's uh, you know working the beat, he's called to check out a, a situation happening at the uh, amusement park, which is where he found the amulet in the first place, um, and, uh, and became Darkhawk for the first time. And while he's there, he is uh, kind of um, told to become a dirty cop alongside some other dirty cops, and he refuses, and then a bunch of aliens show up. And uh, I thought this was like a, like a really cool little one-shot, right? Yeah, absolutely. I really liked it. Um, I thought, yeah, I mean, Kev, Kev Walker's art is so goddamn good. He's so good. And it's even like another artist that you've got. I've 
you know, I feel like I've seen develop over the last couple of years. I feel like his art's just become that much more sophisticated. Definitely. I think it's beautiful. I would love to see Kev Walker doing more Marvel comics again. Well, I mean, he's, he's been doing Dr. Afro all year. Oh, yeah. I just don't read that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, That's I mean, me. this is the only one of the kind of uh, Marvel legacy one-shots w- that I, I finished. And I was like, I would like to see this become a regular series. I'm ready Absolutely. for a Dark Hawk book. Bring Dark Hawk back. And there's so many other cosmic books that he could be brought into as well. Totally. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is a this is a good good issue. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Good on you, Dark Hawk. Um, we got a new, another issue of Moon Knight this week. Um, the second issue of uh, the new run by Max Bemis and um, uh, Jason Burrows. Oh my god, um, I love Jason Bar- Burrows. Which is crazy because, like, you know, my first introduction to him was Crossed. Weird. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it makes sense that he's kind of drawing the most violent Marvel hero mm. and there is like, you know, I mean, just on that brilliant cover, which is just Moon Knight with blood splattered fists. Um, but I think he, he, there is a le- great level of restraint, um, on hand in this, in this issue. Yeah. There um, is so much that I'm enjoying about this. I think this was a killer issue. Me too. And I think it looks great. I love, I love that Moon Knight has become this character that allows a writer to just not ignore, but put his own, put their own take on the character yep. and change things up. I love the way that they're using the um, multiple personalities. I don't know the correct terminology. Well, neither does the book, so it's fine. Cool. Because <laughs> he, he, he talks about multiple personality disorder. And, and I know it's that, supposed to be disassociated. Yeah, I think they've retconned that. Really yeah, sure. but who knows? Anyway. Um, I think like in terms of just it being a comic book thing that you and that you are able to yeah. like I know that like if if you are someone that suffers from it it probably is a term that you want to get away from but Absolutely. I get why you would use it in a term of a comic book. Absolutely. And I think that the way that they have distinguished between the different personalities in the comic is incredibly clever. Jason Burris does some really subtle um visual cues when Moon Knight is the different personalities, even if it's just the way that he holds his chin up or his posture is different. Or how much of his um, mask he reveals yeah. as well. Um, what I loved most about this issue is that it's narrated by Khonshu, yes. who is the uh, Egyptian god that, um, has, that like, does he possess Mark Spector? I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. But I, I, I love it. It's like, it's really, really like, it's quite a funny narration as he kind of like, you know, says like you know he suffers from multiple personality disorder like who could blame him with me stuck in his head all the time and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's it's really really funny um there's there's so much to love about this new the new direction that this series has taken with Absolutely. Moon Knight it feels like where like you know Lemire Lemire's run was so wonderful it definitely felt like it was written in almost it could have been a graphic novel exploration mm-hmm. of, of of the character mm-hmm. whereas this feels like taking what worked from Lemire's run in terms of exploration of personality um, and being but then also just making it a proper superhero comic as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> and even like, you know, I, I never read past um, Warren Ellis's issues on the um, on the run that he started. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. they were like, you know, absolutely just these like very short stories that you could tell never de- develop into anything. Whereas this has like proper big cliffhangers. You mm-hmm. could tell, you can definitely see other Marvel characters crossing over with this format and, and being dealt with in a very unique way. And it's almost like a horror book. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and the villain is really compelling. And I love the colors, the like the decisions in terms of how they color those pages. I think that's really clever. Matt Lopez is um, the colorist on this book. Yep. Yeah, I I flip and love this book. Yeah, it's so good. Definitely one of the one of the best issues that I, really I read clever. all week. I managed to save this one till close to the end. A good call. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, if you if you've never read read a Moon Knight book, like pick up the first issue of this run. Yeah. And uh, and and just enjoy great superhero horror comics. Yep. Agreed. Um, I think it does a lot to explain 
um, the, the history of Moon Knight just mm-hmm. in, in two issues while also forwarding the story in a really, really satisfying pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such good. Like, for this to be, like, a relatively new writer mm-hmm. in Bemis and, like, for him to be writing so masterfully already is so awesome. Yeah. Agreed. He's going to be everywhere if this book continues, uh, like, to be this good. Can't mm. you just see him just being, like, put on something enormous after this? And then becoming shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so, also through Marvel this week, we got um, a couple of X-Books. Um, X-Men Blue. Um, now, I read this one. Yeah, I put I put both X books on on the chopping block, um, and I ended up still enjoying X Men Gold enough to keep reading that. Mm-hmm. Um, X Men Blue was you know everyone was just like losing sleep. Is Levin's going to keep reading X Men Blue? I was um, on the edge of my seat. Uh, I did, um, and uh, even though I did not particularly enjoy this issue, um, something happens towards the end of it, and I can't not read it just in case what I hope happens happens. What do you hope happens? That these time-displaced X-Men get sent back for good. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're threatening, but I would be shocked if that actually happened. Although, they're about to, like... They're about to be a whole bunch of new, weird X-Books. So, who can say? Yeah. Who's in, who's in that X-Men red team? Jean Grey. Jean Grey? This version of Jean Grey? No, the original. Uh-huh. The original Jean Grey, the original yeah. Jean More on her Maybe in a minute. Are. Maybe they are going to do that. Um... Because I just think like the, the, like the X-Men is one of those properties that has so many characters Absolutely. that you don't need to bring back alternate versions. I mean, they have so many alternate versions of each character already. You don't need time-displaced characters as well. Um, yeah, totally. I think that's like maybe like like of of all the, you know, people love to complain about stupid decisions make, Marvel make all the time. I think that's for me like one of the dumbest decisions ever. It's a bad call. Bringing back the time-displaced X-Men. Yeah, it for, was and, and keeping it. Like, like, it's fine for like an arc. Yeah. But not for forever. No, for as long as it's taken. Um, so I'm going to con- I'm going to continue with this just to see where this goes. Yeah, because <coughs> guys, spoilers, they go to 2099. Yeah, weird. Weird. Um, but uh, I, um, in spite of what I just said about X Men Blue and the Time Displaced X Men, I love Jean Grey, the uh, the comic that's written by Dennis Hopeless. Did you not read it this week? I didn't. I didn't get up to it. I'm sorry. Um, I know it was a small week, but I still missed a couple of things. Um, it's fine. You're back at work. You got kid. Uh. Um, Victor Ivanez on art, um, colors by J. David Ramos. Um, Jean Grey, this whole comic has been her readying herself, this young time displaced Jean Grey readying herself for the Phoenix coming to earth mm-hmm. <clears throat> and basically coming to her. Um, and, uh, she, uh, regularly talks to, um, the voice of the old Jean Grey, who is kind of stuck in her brain too. Um, and in the last issue we saw her go to Emma Frost for help, but instead she just kind of, the two of them try to steal something from Emma Frost's mind. Um, to ready Jean Grey for the Phoenix. Um, and basically this issue ends with the Phoenix, like, not coming to Earth. The Phoenix is on Earth now. Oh, hectic. And it's up to an incredible team-up of two Jean Greys, oh, the no. Cuckoo Sisters, oh, no. um, Emma Frost and Quentin Quire and Hope Summers to take down the Phoenix. That's pretty fun. That's really, really fun. And there's, this, this whole book has just been very, very fun. It looks great. Jean Grey's hair is really nice. but Hope <laughs> Which is re- one? The time displaced chair. I just, I yeah, d- she's got a cute little bob. I think it's a r- it's a real good decision to give her cool hair. <laughs> You're like, I don't think it was a good idea to bring her back to this universe. But if you did have to, I'm glad you gave her a cute bob with a fringe. They didn't give it to her immediately. No. Yeah, she had to develop it. She had to get it. sassy first. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed Jean Grey issue number nine. <clears throat> um, finally, I read um, the final issue of US Avengers. Mm-hmm. This um, kind of almost brings it to a close, this long run that Al Ewing has have, had since like Mighty Avengers I think mm-hmm. was the first Avengers book he wrote and then he kind of turned that into the Ultimates and then he had um, New Avengers and then USA Avengers and then it's all been kind of like cycling through the same characters um, and it's been pretty great 
Um, but uh, this kind of brings to the end the weird arc where they're trapped in a um, parallel kind of world that's like Archie, where everyone's being forced to live out oh, yeah. an Archie kind of world. And uh, I realized that like I don't like this book when it is telling these short arcs. I like it way more when it's building up to something very epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it ends kind of like a bit of a, like, oh, whatever. Um, it right. certainly wasn't bad, but it, it wasn't as fun as this run has been in the lead up to this. But um, this now means that I think all the Avengers books are about to come to a close before um, Al Ewing, Mark Wade, and Jim Zub write the um, Avengers No Surrender book, which is going to be weekly next year. Oh, good. So what's going to be, instead of getting like like four Avengers books a month, we're going to get one Avengers book a week. I'm just anti-weekly superhero <laughs> comics, but... We'll see where this goes. I'm going to give it a chance. Cause, um, Why not? Cause I, we have to. <laughs> yeah, of course we do. But I mean, like, I, I, have, I haven't loved what... Of all the, it's funny that of all those writers, um, Wade's definitely done the least exciting Avengers stuff. Mm. I love what Zub is doing on Uncanny Avengers now with the funny, sexy soap opera vibe that it has. Yep. And I've really enjoyed the just complete insanity of what Al Ewing's been able to do with his run. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what, they, what they're going to do with Avengers No Surrender. Those are our Marvel reviews. All we've got left is a very, very small handful. It's not even a handful. It's like a fingerful. Yeah. Um, we've got two more comics to talk about um, from other publishers this week, first of which is through Valiant, um, the second issue of Eternity, written by Matt Kent with art by Trevor Hairsign, Price Ryan Wynn, and David Barron. Um, this is a probably the most cosmic Valiant has ever gotten, mm-hmm. um, in which uh, we see the two uh, characters of um, who we... The two cosmonauts, um, Abraham, Abram and Mishka, mm-hmm. um, who uh, one of them, one of the cosmonauts became Infinity, is what his name is, or not Infinity, Divinity. Divinity. <coughs> but this is the Abram other. is Divinity, Mishka right. is just Mishka. Okay, sure. Um, their their son was stolen in the first issue, and this is them traveling to the ends of the cosmos in an attempt to find to get their son back. Um, and there this are, is good fun. This is crazy fun. This is like like. Just, you know, I know we read a lot of cosmic bullshit, but this is extremely cosmic bullshit. This is like Grant Morrison level cosmic bullshit. Yeah. Because it's like slightly meta and about like the balance of light and dark and the future and the past and whether we look forward or look back. Yeah, I loved that. So the the the, the world that, that, that um, Abram and Mishka currently find themselves in is made of two halves, the half of the future light and the half of the past light. The future lights see only what is to come. They think about tomorrow. They see destiny is immovable, unavoidable. There is no choice, no mystery, only what must come to be. And then there is the past light. We see the infinite light and cosmos of the past, what has happened and what has been. We believe in choice, in a future that is not written until we choose to write it. We study the past in order to, that we not repeat it. I thought that was such a great way to divide a world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, uh, I think that that's a fun little thing to add to this already very complicated story, but it makes it less complicated, I guess. Totally. I really like this. And the art's gorgeous. Yeah. Trevor Hairsline's a really unique artist. With, and the, the, the color palette on this book, um, another very pink, pink and purple book, um, but uh, a very beautiful pink and purple book. Great series from Valiant. Um, and finally, last book we're going to talk about on the show is Heavy Vinyl, number four. Um, What's Heavy Vinyl? It's the, I've never heard of that. It's the renamed Hi-Fi Fight Club. Because Chuck Pallon, whatever his name is, is a little wiener. <laughs> he is. And he, <laughs> and, he, and he got his little wiener on the phone <laughs> and said, they need to rename the book because... I know. I only do all the fight clubs. The only first rule about Fight Club is no one else gets to call their book Fight Club. <laughs> 
Um, anyway. So now it's called Heavy Vinyl. This is a book about um, a young girl who become who starts working at a record store, falls in love with one of the other um, workers at the store, and also learns that um, when when the stores shut, all the girls have a underground fight club, and um, it's them solving mysteries, um, what by fighting, and they're all like music related mysteries. Yes, it's very, and this mystery is very, if you, I don't know if I've mentioned before that I really like the Josie and the Pussycats movie, but this is very much that vibe of like pop music being used for nefarious ends. Well, yeah, well, no, the, 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 the big labels have started chipping their, uh, their musicians so they can't put messages, like they can't, they can't say anything of worth in their music anymore. Mm. Um, and so up to the, the not hi-fi fight club to uh to put a stop to this yeah um this is the end of this book what yeah as in like i guess it'll return it just said at the end it says the end for now oh no so i don't know how long of wait we're going to have for this book to return oh man um but it ends kind of like not that excitingly i guess it ends with them like wanting to start a band which is way less interesting than them having a fight club yeah totally um, but you know, whatever. I guess it'll, it'll have a little time off and then hopefully come back. Um, it's uh, written by um, Carly Usden um, and uh, pencils by Nina Vekueva um, and inks by Irene Flores with colors by Rebecca Nolte with Kieran Quigley and Walter Biamonte. Um, it's a really, really sweet, beautiful to look at book. Um, and I recommend the trade to anyone who's Absolutely. ever enjoyed a boombox book in the past because I feel like you enjoy one. You should at least give a shot to the others because they're all quite similar and good feeling times. Yep, yeah. agreed. It's a good, good read. Those are all the reviews that we're going to give you this week, but we are also going to give you some recommendations for books that we will review in the future um, because this week you'll be able to find uh, a whole bunch of new series starting um, out on the stands. Um, we get the Barbarella series starting. Yes! <laughs> is that a Dynamite book? I think it's a Dynamite book. It is yep. a Dynamite book. Um, uh, which will be great. Uh, we can't wait to hear Siobhan talk about boobs next boobs, week. Boobs, boobs, <laughs> We get a whole bunch of Christmas specials, uh, including the DC Universe holiday special. Christmas boobs. Um, Faith, well, Faith's Winter Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, one of our favorite books from last year, the Grant Morrison and... Who did the art on Dan Mora? Dan Mora, um, Claus or Klaus, which we call it for some reason. But Claus and the Crisis in Christmasville. Yeah. Santa Claus returns. Uh, the real but world muscly, Santa Claus story. Muscly, sexy the Santa Claus. Grounded, muscly Santa Claus. Oh, Sorry, amazing. I just run, ran over some follower in great. my excitement. Um, you just farted. Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get. Um, what are you I was just going to say quickly um, if any Sydney based ladies. Um, Claws is the Christmas book for Queens of Kings. Right. So if you're a, uh, um, someone who identifies as a woman that would like to talk about Claws um, with a other group of um, people that also identify as women, yep. you should get to the next meetup and Which read, a, read a great book. Which is happening soon. Siobhan's going to talk about that in a second. It's good. Queens of Kings. It's Queens like of your, Kings your regular meetup. Meet up, um, yeah, we do it monthly. Shout out, shout out to Megan. Comics. Shout out to Megan for running it being admin of our conversation group which you can also join which is good do you even we have a url a lot for that yet but sorry do you even have a url for the queens of kings group oh yet? god you can't ask me that december 17th <laughs> is our next one we do it on a sunday at 5 30 um at king's comics it is great awesome um we also get um some new image series one of them is called paradiso one of them is called sleepless will they break the image number one curse that we are currently in the middle of and be good image number ones Hmm. Because there's been some a few shockers lately. 
Um, and uh, then we've got a whole bunch of other uh, series, uh, like, you know, new, new issues of books that we already love, like um, The Return of Black Cloud. And uh, we get, uh, oh yeah, we get the Rocco's Modern Life series started too. Yay. Lots of good stuff next week. Uh, and you can find all the comics uh, coming out this week and all the comics that we talked about on the show at King's Comics, 310 Pitt Street in Sydney or at the website kingscomics.com. Even the more weird, obscure ones, you'll be able to find there too. So go check it out. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Thanks, us guys. online at facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast or join our group and talk about all the dumb things that we said at uh, facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast. Um, you can find Siobhan on Twitter, which she's actually going to use now, Siobhan CBG. Yay! And I'm at Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-E-G. They're also our usernames for Twitter. If you ever want to see pictures of my children and not Siobhan's children, uh, that's where you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, if you want to send us an email with your ideas for um, who we should give awards to, seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Maybe uh, put in the, in, the, in the subject, forward this to Levens. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it isn't forgotten about. I'll do it now. I'm at work. Christ. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.